Heather, thank you for coffee. Thank you for accepting it. <laughs> it's, oh, it's another, it's another week, another week. I, I don't know. I, I, um, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to kvetch. Uh, but boy, has it been hard. I mean, that that um, that Pennsylvania result is the thing that keeps on worrying me. I mean, to have that uh, what's his name, Mastri? Oh no, Mastriano. Uh, Duck, the, Repub- the Republican, it, he was not on my radar at all. He's now the Republican candidate for governor of Pennsylvania, a critical swing state, the fourth largest state in terms of population. Uh, and uh, and he's going to be in charge if he gets elected in November. Yep. He's going to be in charge of appointing the next secretary of state yep. of this critical swing state. I mean, this is a is this a step toward the kind of what anti-democracy the kind of autocracy the kind of dare i use the word fascism that we've been worried about since 2016 yes unfortunately i mean it hasn't happened yet right we're in the primary stage but it's not good and there are no he doesn't there are no qualms he doesn't mince words i mean he's saying look at how many electoral votes we get and i'm going to do what i mean he's saying that is what he's doing. Well, he was he he was involved in putting a f- fake slate of of electors in the 2020 election. I mean, he's one of the biggest fans and proponents of this notion that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump. Uh, these people are are popping up, and the thing that worries me in a way is that he was not even on my radar. That is. How many other of these people are there around the country right now in critical races, just about potentially winning primaries uh, that the Democratic Party isn't paying attention to? Right. You know, I followed the news pretty carefully. I was not paying attention to. Right. Uh, this is how these things begin. This is 19, what, 1928, mm-hmm. 1929. Um, I'm just, you know, I don't want to get everybody worried and freaked out, but I'm a little bit worried and freaked out, Heather. I know. Well, let's pay attention to the coming Tuesdays. Yeah. And the and the primaries that we have left. Yeah. Well, there are a number of them. And uh, again, they're primaries, they're Republican primaries and Democratic primaries. Um And uh, Georgia is coming up next week. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to pay attention to that. We need to pay attention to Texas uh, and also Arizona. Yep. These are the critical states. And um, well, I I mean, I'll be talking about them. We will be talking about them on Twitter, Facebook, et cetera. But um, and here on Substack, especially. Um, But anyway. Anyway, can I ask you another question? May I? Um, CPAC. In Budapest, hell of a choice. Budapest. You, Buda- you, did I yes, get my? Yes, you pronounced it correctly. Well, I tried to put my sh in the right you spot. You did. Yes, my my grandmother was uh, was Hungarian, and she oh, always said Budapest, and everybody else said Budapest, and I would always go around as a little boy saying, "No, it's Pest, Pest, Budapest." I love it. But Being little pesky. did I know that uh, talk about anti democracy movement. I mean, right. that is really now Victor Orban. Uh, the head of, uh, I mean, the autocrat who is, he's basically, he's been using, here's the interesting thing, Heather, CPAC, the conservative political action uh, kind of, uh, what committee? Would you <laughs> it's not really committee. It's, it's, it's a, it's a C, it's more than a, uh, a political action sort of typical pack. I right. mean, it, it really is the center of, of what, of conservative thought and conservative mm-hmm. action. And it's been that way for years. Uh, and uh, the fact that they chose 
for their conference this week, Budapest and Viktor Orban is very significant because Orban has been using all of the tropes of cultural, uh, you know, anti-gay, anti-LGBTQ, anti-wokeness, uh, uh, you know, everything else to cover for his move to take over the judiciary, to take over all of the independent agencies, uh, to muzzle the press. That's what's happening. I mean, yep. you know, the press couldn't even get into CPAC. Uh, and he is the model. Uh, you know, uh, Tucker Carlson has his show, his Fox News show from Budapest this week. Uh, this is no longer subtle. I know, it's unabashed. That's what I was, that's what I keep thinking too. Like uh, Doug Mastriano. I mean, it's just, it's happening right before our very eyes. Yeah, it's almost as if these anti-democracy people are saying, oh, you de you Democrats, capital D, or even small d, uh, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. Uh, mm. We have the Supreme Court. We have more and more Trumpers who are being elected or being in primaries all over the country. And now we are essentially coming out and... Uh, well, I, th I think we need a very vigorous pro-democracy movement in this country. I think that all of us who believe in democracy, now is the time. We've got to say it. Right. And uh, the Democrats uh, should be saying, when, when, you know, when Elon Musk, for example, says, oh, the Democrats, no, I would never be a Democrat now because they're all too, too extremist. Uh, they're too violent. What, what the Democrats ought to be saying from Joe Biden on down is we don't want the billionaires in this party. Right. We don't want the Musks. We don't want the Jeff Bezos. We want we want to represent the people. And the only the reason that we cannot get the stuff through Congress that we think is very important, you know, child care or prescription drug benefits or or a minimum wage increase or any of the is because of the Republicans and a couple of Democrats who are might as well be Republicans who are getting a lot of money from the billionaires. Right. Uh, why don't Democrats have the courage of their conviction and say that? Because unless they do, Heather, the, the midterm elections are going to be seen by most people as a choice between either the cultural crazy conservatives, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like the CPAC people, or what? These kind of Rep Democrats who stand for, well, they say good things, but they're not getting things done. I know. And they don't say it well, and they don't say it enough. I mean, part of, I think, what we learn or not from good marketing and what the right does is repetition, repetition. I think Democrats are afraid to be repetitive. Right. Uh, they also, you know, the Democratic Party is always this philosophy is let, let a thousand flowers bloom. Yep. We are a giant tent. Mm -hmm. Well, the Republican Party is a pretty giant tent in terms of the range of views. I mean, you've got the pro-Trumpers all the way through, you know, Mitt Romney. Right. Uh, but you, uh, but, but they march to the same drum. Mm -hmm. They are disciplined. Mm -hmm. When it comes to voting, they all vote together. They all say the same things. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I think that, and they all repeat themselves over and over again. Right. I think the real test over the next, well, really until the midterms and beyond is whether this anti-democracy faction, uh, the, the pro-Trump faction, the pro-Victor Orban faction totally takes over the Republican Party and the Democrats are willing to say no. Right. Now, I want to ask you more about billionaires. So first of all, how what do you think the Venn diagram is between CPAC and Davos, now that I'm saying the cities correctly, potentially. So World Economic Forum starts tomorrow, Sunday. I mean, 
the overlap between and this movement of Musk and now the second richest person, Bezos, going after Democrats, going after Biden. What's happening at the intersection of? Well, there's an interesting historic parallel. Uh, if you go back to the 1890s, 1900, the era of the robber barons, the mm. first Gilded Age of America, you had these extraordinary rich titans of industry uh, who became very political, uh, were very, very active to trying to, uh, you know, just uh, squelch labor unions, the beginnings of labor unions. Uh, they, they were fomenting inequality. They were saying uh, politically, no, no, you can't do anything. They were, they were electing people, uh, putting bags of, of cash on the, on the desks of plant state legislators all over the country. Uh, and that led to so much public outrage that you had the Sherman Antitrust Act, mm -hmm. you had the first Food and Drug Act, you had Teddy Roosevelt, a Republican, but a reformer, uh, beginning the progressive movement, uh, which led uh, with fits and starts to uh, Teddy Roosevelt's fifth cousin, Franklin D. Roosevelt, uh, and all of the legacy uh, uh, that we now take for granted, social security and and a minimum wage and, and, and ultimately even Medicare. Uh, so the question in my mind is, as the billionaires come out and they start showing their true colors and they start saying, yes, we are for, we are Republicans. And as the vicious uh, sort of Mastriano side of the Republican Party also begins to expose itself as all these anti-democracy elements come together, will we have another historically uh, progressive era? I mean, will it, get, will it create so much anger in the public that the public basically says, no, we, we want to preserve Social Security. We want to preserve Medicare. We want to preserve uh, all of the things that we have. And we want a tax system that's fair. Uh, we want to, you know, we want, don't want billionaires calling the shots. Uh, I think that is ultimately the question. Uh, next week, there's going to be a final opportunity for the administration to uh, move forward with its billionaires tax uh, and a, a significant corporate tax for the biggest corporations. Uh, I think that's a little bit of a test for the Democrats too. Uh, we'll see. Right. We'll see. I'm going to try to be hopeful. Um, should we, uh, do we want it? Should we, I'm trying to think stock market. I had one. Do oh. we do we go oh, there? Oh, don't do we even go there? talk about it. Well, the stock market is not the economy. I say that right. when it was going up, and I say it now. I mean, we have to be very very clear with everybody that the stock market uh, has its own sort of uh, volition and direction and and mind. Uh, obviously, the stock market is reacting. Uh, it's, it was way overvalued in terms of price earnings ratios, any way you want to look at it. And it's now uh, sort of doing what we everybody knew it had to do, and that is get in touch with reality. It's still above uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average or the S&P 500, still above where it was, uh, you know, pandemic at the start of the pandemic. So it's not as if uh, people lost a lot of money. I am concerned about the 401ks. And the people who have 401ks who are just on the verge of retirement, they, I mean, we're talking about the baby boomers. Right. Um, they don't really have much choice. Uh, they can't uh, just ride out mm -hmm. this stock market uh, crash or whatever it's going to be. Uh, everybody else, I mean, remember that the richest 1% of Americans own 
uh, about half or more than half of all of the American ownership of the stock market. Right. Uh, and the richest 10% own 84% of the stock market. So we're not, it, 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 the, downs, the downturn of the stock market is not really uh, going to hurt most poor or working class people. Right, as such. Um, okay, one thing that I found hopeful this week was there was a comment on a Substack post by Paula O.H., Paula O.H. Paula O.H. Paula O. Paula O. Paula, you are from Ohio, right? I mean, that's what I'm assuming. Has to be. And she wrote, these are something like, these are difficult times. We need a hope machine. Anyone know how to build one? I thought that was a great comment. Paula, thank you for that. And uh, you said yes. And you gave us hammers, nails, and solar panels. and, And solar panels, too. Well, I built a little bit of a hope machine this past week because I want people to to really share my essential optimism about the future. You know, I, I mean, I I remember some very bad times in this country. 1968, could we have done worse than 1968? Uh, and I remember my parents talking about the 1930s and going into the World War II. Uh, so it's, it's not as if we are at the worst. Uh, we do bounce back and we've got to take the long view. Uh, 50 years ago in this country, uh, you know, LGBTQ people had no rights at all. In fact, you could be arrested and put in a prison uh, for being gay. Uh, You know, 50 years ago, the women's rights movement was nowhere. I mean, I, I remember before Roe v. Wade, hope we don't have to go back there, but I remember how awful it was. Uh, 50 years ago, it was, uh, I mean, black people uh, were not just second-class citizens, but they really could not vote in many places around the country, still, uh, despite voting rights. Uh, So we, yeah, there are huge problems, Heather. I don't mean to minimize them. Um, And sometimes I I do despair, as I know you do, uh, but we've we've got to maintain hope. The biggest danger we face is cynicism. People thinking, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to be politically active. I'm just going to uh, fold up my tent and go home. Well, then then the other side wins. Right. And there are reasons for hope. I mean, unionization. Well, you, the unions are, are, are coming back. Right. Uh, there's, we, we haven't seen this much union activity in years, which is good for workers. It's good for uh, sort of people who care about democracy because you need countervailing power right. uh, to the, the billionaires. Uh, you also see young people across this country who are more committed and dedicated to a uh, to social justice and to a vision of the future uh, that I think a lot of people on Substack, uh, certainly you out there who are listening, you share. Uh, and uh, I'm, I feel fortunate to spend most of my time with these young people. Right. Uh, there's also a diversity. You can't, d- despite what Tucker Carlson says, you can't turn the clock back on the extraordinary diversity we have in this country, and it's growing. Uh, in you know, in uh, in California right now, a majority of young people are what we used to call minorities. Uh, well, that's changing the complexion of this country. Sixty uh, percent of people in college right now are women. Sixty percent. Right. I mean, think what that's me. This means for the leadership right. of this country over the next 20, 30, 40 years. Right. I mean, again and again, wherever you look, there is reason for optimism over the long term. The question is, can we get there? I know. Well, I think we need to try. 
We have to drive. We don't, we don't have any choice. Even if we're exhausted. We don't have any choice. Now, you know what I'm doing tomorrow night, Sunday? What are you doing? Eight o'clock. Eight o'clock tomorrow night, Pacific Sunday. and Eastern. What? I'm watching The Simpsons. The Simpsons. I don't think people know what's happening. <laughs> well, it's going to be. This is, this is my debut on The Simpsons. I love it. They knocked at the door and you answered. They, Tell us about it. Did. Do you well, mind? I, I wasn't much. I mean, they just said, can you... Can you be on The Simpsons? And I, I always loved The Simpsons. So I said, of course I can be. But I said, how does it? What does it mean to be on The Simpsons? I mean, I, it's a cartoon show. Well, they made a little cartoon character that's that's me. And um, and, and the asked, writer Tim Long. Tim Long is brilliant. He's brilliant. And everyone, it's a musical episode. Can yes. I just say a little bit? But you can. You can spill the beans. Go ahead. Bob sings. I use the term advisedly. <laughs> With Hugh Jackman. Yes, Hugh Jackman and I do a duet. Duet. Are you hearing? Are you listening to this? Hugh Jackman and I, friends, we are doing a duet uh, tomorrow at 8 o'clock on The Simpsons. About <laughs> the demise of the middle class. Yes, CEOs a, taking away all the pay. It's actually, I mean, it's, it's so very, good. It's, it's serious. I mean, I, I was, uh, I, you know, I've written 18 books about these issues and i think i'm going to educate more people in the in the 20 or 40 seconds of right. the hugh jackman duet uh, than i will for all my books right well should we clink our substack mugs on yes. that note yes, we got we mugs will. from yes. substack yes Heather, thank you you have a great week and thank everybody you. out there you have a great week too